Welcome to another edition of Burby Sports Block. On episode 4, I'll give my thoughts on Super Bowl 54, touch on the Aussie Open Finals, and touch on the NBA. I'll wrap up with my state of Iowa, and as always, followed by some Chicago and Colorado news. Let's get to it. Officially, I didn't really have a dog in the fight because my team is the Chicago Bears and I currently live in Colorado, and the Broncos weren't there, so it's needless to say that I was just kind of hoping for a good game, and boy did we get a good one. How about them Chiefs finally getting over the hump, winning again for the first time in 50 years. Sure was a special one. I mean, Patrick Mahomes... He's a special talent. He was one of the very few to win a Super Bowl before the age of 25, let alone the only guy to ever win a Super Bowl before 25 and an MVP the year prior. Crazy stuff. I mean, he he definitely was successful in college, but... I never would have expected this from him. It's it's a great thing to see, though. He could be leading what could be a dynasty in Kansas City, honestly. Am I going to go as far to say as they could be the next Patriots? No, probably not. But it isn't unreasonable. One of the reasons why that could be thought of as silly is because Kansas City hasn't really played a full game, at least in this postseason. They had to come back several times, which, granted, they did, obviously, or they wouldn't have made it this far and won the Super Bowl, but their offense just wasn't clicking all the time. And they had the one of the best offenses in the in the league. I mean, with speedy wideouts like Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, they also had Damian Williams toting the rock from time to time. And of course Mahomes Magic using his arms and his legs. And then one of the best tight ends in the league for the past half decade Travis Kelsey cool to see him win it too just because of his enthusiasm for the sport in general I kind of would have liked to see George Kittle win I mean there wasn't quite as much of a duel at the position as I was hoping but still there were some Iowa guys or guys at least from Iowa that were on the Chiefs including a couple from Iowa, one from you and I. I mean, it's cool to see those guys find success, for sure. Regardless, there were guys from Iowa on both squads, so my home state would have won either way. So I don't know how they're going to go about fixing this or addressing the issue, but the KC defense really needs to be revamped. I mean, sure, they have 
Tyron Matthew as the honey badger who don't give a you know what in the in the secondary and then they have a pretty uh convincing defensive line that's got years of combined experience which wrecked havoc from time to time but the this was the difference in this game i mean San Fran didn't have the most explosive offense. They have guys. Um, Jimmy G showed up when when they needed him to. Um, you know, Emmanuel Sanders was a clutch pickup for them from the Broncos, and he he showed out when he needed to. Mostert came out of nowhere as the the lead running back during the postseason. And, of course, Debo Samuel had himself a game for the 49ers yesterday. It didn't really matter, though, because the, you know, everybody's been talking about how great the 49ers defense was. And in years past, when the top defense matches up with the top offense, defense tends to prevail because defense wins championships usually didn't happen in this case i mean mahomes was not himself this whole game that's for darn sure he looked out of sorts he was missing open targets but finally once he got some momentum going late started clicking the chiefs were you know back in a familiar territory playing down but not out and you can never count out the Chiefs after what they've done this postseason. It's just remarkable. They came down, came back from down 10-plus three times in the postseason, including in the Super Bowl. How crazy is that? Hard to bet against them, that's for sure. The Chiefs scored 21 unanswered points in the fourth quarter. They finally broke out of their shell. Mahomes finally aired it out. And the dual threat ability finally got through to San Fran. I mean, here's another crazy thing. Mahomes threw two picks within ten passes of each other. He rarely ever throws an interception. I mean, last year, I'm pretty sure he went. He was holding a record. For most passes without a pick, at one point at least. Granted, Jimmy G and Mahomes both had two picks. Jimmy G's were a little more timely because the Chiefs actually capitalized off of those turnovers. The, the last one leading to that you know, last score for the Chiefs, the clincher, so to speak, and they put the nail in the coffin. A lot of teams might have been like, oh, we're up by, you know, uh, four. It's going to take a touchdown to beat us. We don't need to keep our foot on the gas. We could, our defense is spotty at times, but they've done pretty decent against these 49ers no 
that's not how Andy Reid looked at it, at least. And props to him and the Chiefs for keeping their foot on the pedal and really putting the hurt on the 49ers. You can bet that the 49ers are going to be back in the mix. Maybe not next season, but at least in the near future. And the Chiefs aren't going to look to, you know, give somebody else a title. They might start a dynasty. I don't know. It just depends if they can play a full game with a full team. They're pretty darn close. I mean, they're doing special things with this young guy, Mahomes. So it's definitely possible. And Chiefs fans should look forward to a lot of winning. And if Brady does end up leaving New England, then the Chiefs, along with the Ravens, are going to be up there for the best teams in the AFC. There's no question about it. So, also hitting on a couple other things, just this Super Bowl in general was pretty great, honestly. It's a little different not having a dog in the fight. I didn't really root hardcore, and I couldn't have my heart broken, so that was kind of nice. I've had that happen one too many times, and a lot of sports, honestly, mostly college, but also at the pro level. But the Super Bowl was pretty great. I mean, the commercials were spot on. There were a couple that were kind of meh, but, you know, uh, there's always going to be beer commercials. Those were pretty great. Tide had some pretty, pretty great commercials. Google had a a tearjerker for sure when it came to their Alzheimer's commercial really got the tears flowing a little bit for me. Um, overall, it was a pretty great Super Bowl, to be honest. And some people are complaining about the halftime show, and rightfully so, for some people at least. But also, uh, Shakira and J-Lo were selected because they were representing the Latin culture. And with the game being in Miami, it just kind of went hand in hand. They were performing as they always do. And, you know, it got mixed reviews. But overall, I'd say this was one of the better Super Bowls in terms of commercials, halftime show, and obviously the game. There wasn't a second when I could look away or wanted to look away because Mahomes has this magical ability to do whatever. And the 49ers boast that that defense, that strong defense. And they showed that from time to time. It was an exciting game, a really close game too. And I mean, the 49ers were playing really really well for about three quarters and then they choked kind of well not necessarily choked the chiefs just overcame their adversity they finally beat the 49ers scheme and it paid off big as i mentioned earlier the chiefs scored 21 unanswered points in the fourth 
to win it 31-20. Bring it back to KC and send Andy Reid to that White House buffet he so rightfully deserves after such a long time. This was a long time coming for sure, and he deserves it all. I mean, truly. But for real, congrats, Chiefs. Congrats, Andy Reid. And it's going to be fun to see how the Chiefs try and respond after such a successful year. See what Mahomes and Kelsey and Hill and all those superstars do. It'll also be interesting to see when it comes down to contracts, who they can please the most, who they can keep on their team, and who might end up having to be cut or become a free agent at some point because they can't pay out everybody as high as they deserve to be paid. I mean, you know Mahomes is going to get a big payday coming up soon. So that could turn things on its head a little bit in itself. Congrats, Chiefs. Bring it back to the Midwest. In a world where parody reigns during sports, sometimes the most shocking things can happen. Now, I'm not saying there were a ton of things that were shocking that happened during the, the Women's Australian Open, but there were quite a few upsets. And as a result, Kennan from the United States essentially won the women's side of the Australian Open. Now, she didn't have to do quite as much heavy lifting as her opponent, Muguruza from Venezuela. Muguruza had a pretty difficult start to the Open, having to go through all three sets in the first and second rounds just to survive the early stages. She kind of started to gain some momentum going forward though, as she pulled off not one, not two, but three straight upsets to reach the semifinals. In all three, she won in two sets, convincingly. She ended up upsetting the fifth seed, the ninth seed, and the thirtieth seed. Then she matched up with Simona Halep, who was one of the favorites going into the tournament, considering she was ranked fourth and also ranked second in the world. I'd consider that one of the biggest upsets of the tournament, considering that Muguruza came in with a ranking too low to be officially seeded in the Australian Open. Now, of course, Kennan, on the other side, ended up beating Vardy, the number one seed and the hometown favorite from Australia, which set up an interesting final between Kennan and Muguruza. Well, Kennan did her part. She only needed to beat one ranked opponent to get to the final, which is just crazy to think. Whereas Muguruza, like I mentioned, beat four in a row. 
So to say that Muguruza was kind of on her game after stumbling a little bit during the early portions of the Open might be putting it lightly. Regardless, Kennan did fall behind in that first set and lost 6-4, to four, but she responded in a strong way with two 6-2 set wins to win the match and win her first Australian Open. Now, she's young. She was born in 98, so she's younger than I am, which to see these athletes, and I'm not saying that I'm old by any means, but to see athletes like her and other people like Patrick Mahomes, which I mentioned earlier, finding this level of success at that age is pretty cool, to be honest. I mean, am I a little jealous? Sure, but they have the talent. I don't. Regardless, congrats, Kenan, on winning the Aussie Open. I look forward to seeing if she can respond and hopefully she's not like a one-hit wonder where she played really well in one tournament but then kind of just fails or flops out in the other Grand Slam tournaments coming up this year. After all, each Grand Slam does have their own style of court, so that could play a factor as well. But regardless, you can't take away a title from her. She won it, she deserved it, and she got it. Way to go, Cannon. The men's final could be considered an instant classic. Just looking at the seedings, with Djokovic being the two seed and team being the five seed, plus they already had a pass between, between the two of them. So that makes it even more interesting to see what that next chapter would bring. They ended up doing entertaining the crowd as best they could with what ended up needing to be five sets to, to take home the trophy. Of course, Djokovic ended up winning, as he usually does when they face off against each other, but it was close nonetheless. There's only one set in which team actually won when it differed by more than three points. Team ended up winning the second and third set to put a lot of pressure on the Joker, but Djokovic responded in a big way, winning the final two sets by a total of 6-3-6-4. Now, it's all fine and good to see some consistency and see a couple of ranked guys really duel it out for the trophy. But the cool thing was, and I saw a video of this come out afterwards, that they both touched on how there's a life greater than sports. This really humanized them. I'm not saying that anyone ever thought they were bad guys by any means. They're just really great, consistent tennis players. I mean, they wouldn't be seated where they were if they weren't great. 
However, afterwards, they were just talking about, well, team, for instance, was mentioning the bushfires and the wildfires and the wildlife and the people that lost things in the Australian Open or Australia and the Australian Open had been a way to be a distraction for those people in Australia and a way for the world to watch and for Australia to have a spotlight on it at just the right time. It was cool to see all the various tennis players pledge money to Australia to help out with the cause. It, it's always great to see when athletes make that decision or choice by themselves to help out when they can. A lot of people don't really respect athletes because, sure, they're not doing a whole lot sometimes, but they're making bank. But when they end up doing something like this, it really humanizes them, and you have to love it. And then Djokovic followed up by paying tribute to Kobe, saying that he was one of his mentors and one of his friends, and that there's no time like the present to be surrounded by the people who love you, including your family and your friends and, and everyone else, because there's no guaranteed time other than the present. And that that really hit home. I mean, there were multiple displays of tributes for Kobe in the past week across the world of sports. But whenever a player has the stage like that, especially during something like a Grand Slam title where people from all over the world are watching and he takes that, that time to say those types of things and make his message known, that's always cool. And I always respect athletes that do that. But in the end, I mean, congrats to, to Djokovic for winning another title. Let's see if he can complete the Grand Slam this year. And I'm sure team will be willing to challenge him whenever they meet up again and I'm sure it'll happen quite a few times but Federer and Nadal and you know all the regulars will have their fair share at winning titles this year too but for now Djokovic can put up a tally next to his name whereas none of the other big big names have any so he's got the upper hand We'll see what he does next. Just a couple of things I wanted to briefly talk about regarding the NBA. One, Zion Williamson has been the beast that everybody was thinking he would be. And for those who are rooting for him or have him in fantasy, myself included, the one that we all hoped he would be. Zion has been putting up some pretty consistent numbers since he's come back from his injury. He's averaging over 19, almost 20 points per game, over 8 rebounds per game, 
almost two assists per game, half a steal per game, and just under half a block per game, while making, on average, just under one three per game. Now, I know you're all probably going to hate just hearing Williamson be put more on a pedestal than ESPN already is putting him at, considering how many times they're trying to to put him on national TV, but he's truly a sight to behold. I mean, there's a reason why he was picked where he was in the draft. It's not made a huge difference for for the Pelicans because they have still ended up losing games even though they're starting to get healthy with Williamson and Lonzo Ball is starting to ball out again and Brandon Ingram is still a stud but I mean he's still doing his part I don't know if the Pelicans are going to make the playoffs or not but it's still fun to watch watch him and the rest of his young teammates just ball out and have fun honestly on the court night in and night out there haven't been too many big rumors that i've read regarding the nba trade deadline which comes up later this week uh one of the few is clint capella being sent somewhere such as atlanta or another team that's willing to trade for him. Um, Derek Rose is another name that's kind of on the trade block. It's kind of bittersweet, honestly, uh, coming from a Bulls fan of, of view to see Rose finding success again at the NBA level. He's always been regarded as one of the better point guards in the last decade, but he's also been regarded as a guy full of glass because he tends to get hurt left and right and never really plays a full season. He had way too many injuries in Chicago. He got injured from time to time, but not quite as frequently in Minnesota. He's finally finding an almost like a fountain of youth effect or something in Detroit. I don't know. He's just kind of hitting up the Midwest and, and making his way around the States, it seems. But it would be interesting to see him go to possibly a contending team. I can't really think off the top of my head, at least, where that might be. But it is kind of nice to see him find success because I'll always be a Rose supporter. And it's always cool whenever he gets a chance to play against Chicago where, you know, he began his career and he had an MVP season and he was regarded as such a high caliber player. It was just unfortunate that it didn't, didn't end up working out. But like I mentioned, Capella and Rose are on the trade block and the trade deadline does um, end, come and go this week. So it'll be interesting to see. And there are just so many big names. Once again, it's going to be an exciting offseason once we get there. 
so many big names that are free agents or that could be shifted around. But for now, I mean, there's just a, a couple of teams that are dominating the the league and a whole bunch of teams that are looking to chase them. The Bucks have nearly got it locked up by now. They're even six games over Toronto and Boston and Miami. And the Lakers have held on to a lead for quite some time. They've really found their stride as the Lake Show fans were hoping when they brought on LeBron and Anthony Davis. It's really paying off and I think they really have a chance at winning a title. But it's only uh, about halfway through the season. There's still a whole lot left. Anything can happen. If someone, some star player were to go down, like has happened in several teams, like Minnesota, for instance, with the Carl Anthony Towns going down for a while, and other teams, you know, being healthy makes a world of a difference. And it'll be interesting to see after the All-Star break, some of these teams making a big push, possibly, some possibly trying to tank, but a lot of them are going to get healthy in a little bit, and it's going to get interesting. And lastly, it's just going to be fun. The playoffs are always fun, and the push for the playoffs gets quite real after the All-Star break. We're just going to wait and see what happens, but I'm here along for the ride because I'm pretty sure my bowls are kaput. I'm going to keep this week's State of Iowa dress pretty short because really not a whole lot's changed in a week. I mean, the Iowa Hawkeyes had a, a pretty huge win against the Illini the other day. It was the only ranked game actually being played on Sunday, so they kind of got the spotlight shown on them a little bit more, but... Who would have thought that the Illini, of all teams, would be winning the Big Ten at this point in the season? I surely didn't. I mean, they're they're even tied with Michigan State for the lead in the Big Ten. But that's just because, like most conferences in, in NCAA basketball, they tend to just eat each other alive within the conference. There are teams that are winning games they shouldn't, and other teams that are losing games rather than being beat. And Illinois has been one of the more consistent teams, to be honest. But with the win, Iowa pulled within one game of the lead, tied with Rutgers and a half game ahead of Penn State, but a half game behind Maryland. It's going to be an interesting last month to see who wins that Big Ten, who gets the auto bid. I mean, right now, I'm pretty sure that 10 teams have been projected to make the tournament, which is just bonkers in my opinion but I don't disagree 
they have right now they have at least five maybe six teams ranked in the top 25 and then three or four other quality teams within the conference the big 10 is not to be reckoned with this year and it would be interesting just to see what what they would do in the tournament i mean iowa has a a past of choking in the postseason so it would be interesting to see if that would still be the case or or what might happen but that uh that basically concludes the iowa segment they will be playing purdue and nebraska this upcoming week a couple of not easy wins but they should win those games they have only a couple more ranked opponents to face uh this month yet and then just a couple more games in march including their regular season finale at illinois that's going to be fun considering what happened at the end of the iowa illinois game yesterday when the two teams didn't shake hands you can bet that's going to be um in their minds when they face off again what can we say about iowa state i mean i honestly don't know what to say anymore it's not like they're getting blown out night in and night out per se but sometimes the really close losses are the ones that hurt even more recently they took a four-point loss on the chin to texas and granted it was on the road down in austin but that would have been i don't know i don't even know if you would say a huge win at this point but with their loss they're now two and six in the conference and nine and twelve on the season gross i can't even i mean i don't want to make excuses or anything and they're not the worst team in the league by any means because oklahoma state hasn't even won a conference game yet they're 0 and 8 but it's just really tough to be a cyclone fan this season and granted i know what all they lost in terms of talent but it's just tough i'm not saying fire steve prome or do anything along those lines because that's just drastic and silly but it's tough because we've grown cyclone nation at least has grown to accustom to finding success within the conference let alone the conference tournament and making the ncaa tournament iowa state's going to be lucky to even play in any postseason games whether that be the nit cbi or cit they basically have to win the big 12 conference tournament now to even have a shot and even then it might not even be worth it because they might just get embarrassed and and that would just be the worst this week they play at west virginia who's currently ranked 12th 
and then they will be hosting Kansas State. So that those could be a couple of interesting games. They can still create chaos within the conference. Don't don't take that away from them. But I don't see it happening. I mean, we might as well just flip ahead to football season at this point. That's how tough it's been. From there, we go to a, from a team who can't consistently find a W to save their life to a team that's been riding high and been playing fantastic basketball this season. Yeah, I'm talking about the UNI Panthers. They are 8-2 and two in the conference, and they're 19-3 and three on the season, including several quality wins and a quality, very quality loss to a now 12th ranked West Virginia squad. Now, UNI does not have this locked up yet, unfortunately. Loyola and Southern Illinois are just one game back, and Bradley and Indiana State are just two games back, and there's plenty of games left to be played. The Salukis have won five games in a row. I mean, they, they're they 13-10 on the season, but they're 7-3 in the conference. So that's going to make things interesting down the stretch. And it didn't help that just a couple of weeks ago, you and I ended up losing a close game to Southern Illinois. So if it came down to it, if they ended up tying in the conference and whatnot, then there's a chance you and I doesn't win the conference outright. Now, you and I could still obviously win the MBC tournament, but it would be huge to to just book their spot before then and not have to worry about having to make it so far in their tournament to make it to the big dance. Now, it's pretty rare that any team with more than 20 wins gets left out, but weirder things have happened. Teams with losing records have made it in just because they won their conference, and that could happen again looking at some of these conference standings around around the country. I'm hoping that you and I can continue playing their, uh, you know, keep their winning streak going, keep their hot basketball going, and they'll be playing at Valparaiso on Wednesday, and then they'll host Drake for their first game of that two-game series this season. Drake has always been a tough out. I mean, they looked like they were going to be a team to be reckoned with the last couple of seasons. They've kind of not necessarily lived up to expectations, I guess. Um, but they're only three games out of the, the conference lead, and there's still eight games left. So they're not out of it by any the Bulldogs also recently took a seven-point loss to Southern Illinois, but I would consider that a quality loss considering how hot the Salukis have been in the past five or six games. 
Unfortunately, Drake had also lost to Indiana State the game prior in a very close game again. So they're kind of topsy-turvy a little bit. They have a huge game coming up this, a huge couple of games actually coming up this week when they host Bradley and they go on the road to take on you and I. Consider they win both of those games, they'd be only one, maybe two games out of the conference lead and back in the thick of things for sure. It'll, it's going to be an interesting February because, uh, you know, the NBC conference, the regular season at least, ends at the end of this month and then they have their conference tournament next month. But it's going to be an interesting stretch. Drake has some very quality games coming up, like I mentioned, Bradley and you and I, and they also have yet to play Loyola and you and I again to close out the season. So they could make up a lot of ground really quick. It just depends on if they manage to find a way to win or not. But that wraps up this week's uh, State of Iowa address. We'll see what happens next week. Hopefully there's some better news to spread and that all four teams find a way to win at least one game. At least. Come on, Cyclones. Pick it up. Just to touch on a couple more things really quick. Uh, the Chicago Blackhawks have finally started to find their path, possibly. They're only three games out of a a wild card spot which would be huge they've won seven of their last ten and they're chasing the Arizona Coyotes who have lost five in a row I think by the end of this week there's a good chance that they will put themselves in a wild card spot at least for now they play the wild and the Bruins and the Jets this week so Chances for a couple of good wins to put themselves in the mix. And yeah, we'll see what happens. In terms of the Bulls, they're just out of the playoff mix as well, somehow. I still don't know how that's possible, considering all that's happened in Chicago, or what hasn't happened for that matter. Pitchers and Catchers is coming up, so that's fun. The Cubs season is almost ready to get going spring training at least so let's get excited for baseball Woohoo! see if the cubs can do something after kind of flopping last year but bringing on david ross and kicking joe madden out should be interesting i think it's going to be an experimental year but we'll see what happens and also to the Rockies for pitchers and catchers. I mean, baseball in general, pretty great, at least for the start of the season. It's always exciting when you're transitioning into the the sport to start the season. Kind of gets a little dull um, a quarter of the way through. Then it get, picks up again near halfway. And then it definitely ramps up getting near that postseason. But... The Rockies have a lot to live up to. The fans obviously are expecting more. And yeah, I mean, 
they don't have a whole lot of postseason history in recent years, so they're kind of starving for it. And with all this Arenado news swirling around, will he be traded? Will he not be traded? Will the Cubs get him? Will they not? We'll just have to wait and see because I'm no fortune teller. I think it would be cool if he went to Chicago, but at the same time, he hits dingers in Coors Field. I mean, sure, Coors Field is Dinger City, but he's a he's a staple there. And I know fans wouldn't be upset if he left because he wants out, but still, I'd rather he stay. And finally, um, Avalanche have been in the in the playoff mix most of this year. Hopefully, they they don't choke. They've kind of hit some losing streaks recently but there's still plenty of hockey left to be played as I mentioned earlier and lastly I know it's probably tough for a lot of Broncos fans to see the 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 Chiefs win the Super Bowl but hey I mean sure you lost to the Chiefs this year but you lost to the world champions like I mean a 23 to 3 loss isn't great by any means and a 30-6 to six loss isn't any better, but you still have the world champions in your division, and that has to count, amount to something, right? I mean, there's no uh, minor victories when it comes to sports, but, and I know a lot of people were probably cheering for the 49ers just to spite the Chiefs, lesser two evils type of thing. But you got to feel for them, right? I mean, come on. It was Andy Reid. Anyways, that concludes this episode of Burvey Sports Block. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you all have a great week. Feel free to leave any feedback. That is always appreciated. And it's really one of the only ways I'm going to grow. And it's going to make the experience even better for you because if I'm not changing things and I should be then it's just gonna get boring and nobody wants that anyways this is Mike Burvey signing off have a great week and thanks for tuning in